Hello, everyone. It's good to see you all in person, and it's also great to have you online with us today as we uh, worship together. We began a new series last week, as Pastor Jeff already mentioned, called Activated. He started that series, and he shared last week that Hope's Shift is from uh, one church in two locations. You remember that was way back in 2019 to one church, two expressions, our physical and digital expression, and our growing influence. And so at the end of today's message, as was also already mentioned, if you haven't done so already online, you can run out and uh, run out to the kitchen and get some bread and crackers or some juice, coffee or water. And if you're worshiping in person, there are some disposable communion cups and we'll be using those uh, later in the service. And also in case I forget to mention, at the end of that time, there'll be ushers to, with buckets to collect those cups from you uh, as you exit. So last week, uh, Pastor Jeff shared from the book of Acts that the church began in Jerusalem. And imagine what that must have been like. I was thinking of this as I've read through chapters one through seven, and, as, and also as Pastor Jeff was sharing last week, that there were uh, many of the believers who were in this first church gathered in Jerusalem had actually been with Jesus. Can you imagine what that must have been like, that they had been with Jesus as he was teaching and preaching, that some had even talked with him after his resurrection. That must have been an amazing thing as they gathered together to say, hey, I saw Jesus. I saw him too. It was, must have been an amazing experience for this church as it was growing together. And that Jesus had challenged them and they were eyewitnesses to this challenge. And they were telling each other that Jesus challenged us to tell everyone to go to the ends of the earth and tell people about Jesus. And it must have been an incredibly inspiring time. And the Holy Spirit came down upon this church. And Peter, it says, preached his first message. And after he was done, there were 3,000 people converted and started following Jesus and joined the church. The church went from 120 to 3,000. It may be the most explosive growth ever in church history. Can you imagine going from 120 to over 3,000 in one week? Amen, right? Yeah, talk about catastrophic success. It must have been an incredible, an incredible time to be together. Fascinating and exciting. And in those first seven chapters, there's stories of life change and miracles and healings and these incredible movements that only God could have brought into place. There was generosity that was unheard of taking place in this church. There was this unity that was available and, and being experienced in this church. People were living so differently and so uniquely that the church was inspiring others to join them. And it says this in chapter 7, I think chapter 2, that God was adding people daily to this church. So not only 3,000, but every day after, God was sending people to this church. And it was growing and growing and growing in Jerusalem. And what a fascinating experience it must have been. I want to offer an interesting thought today. What if the best thing that happened to the church was not in Acts chapters 1 through 7, but it was in Acts chapter 8 verse 1? And if you don't know what chapter 8 verse 1 is, let's read it. It's up on the screen. 
says this, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. Yeah, I said this was the best thing. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers, 3,000 plus, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Imagine the disappointment as this church that has been growing every day becomes scattered. Imagine the disappointment as 3,000 people begin packing their bags and moving to faraway places. The Jerusalem church, it seems, is shut down. All the good that was happening has stopped. They're packed up, they're being run out of the city, and they're becoming separated from each other to gain safety from persecution. They're saying goodbye to family, possibly. They're saying goodbye to friends who are as close as family. One week, they're all together, and now they're separated. And they're likely wondering, why is this happening? And maybe even wondering, where is God? Now, before you run me out of town, how could anyone consider this a good thing? Or even the best thing is what I said. See, Jesus had said this. When the Holy Spirit, when he promised the Holy Spirit, he said that it would empower them in Jerusalem and beyond. He said specifically, you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, up to this point in chapters 1 through 7, all the ministry of this new church that's recorded has taken place in Jerusalem. And they're all good things, all really great things, all admirable things, beautiful things, an experience and a church that we would love to be a part of. But it was only happening in Jerusalem. But in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, the church is pushed outside its comfort zone of Jerusalem. And so God used a world event. You see where I might be going this morning. God used a world event to move people toward mission. And in the moment, it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like God. It only felt like persecution. It felt like something was breaking up, not that something was growing. In the moment, it hurt. And it only felt like disappointment, not opportunity. And it was probably really hard for them to sing, just put me where you want me, God. But look what happened because the church was pushed outside. We read Acts chapter 8, verse 1, just three verses later. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says this. But the believers who were scattered, those 3,000 that packed their bags and had to get up and leave and get out of Jerusalem and probably find new places to work and go find new places to live. It says they were scattered and they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. 
the 3,000 believers who were scattered around the Roman world began to share about their experience with Jesus. And so this one church that was influencing Jerusalem soon became one church with multiple expressions, probably hundreds of expressions, likely thousands of expressions all over the area in the whole province, Acts says, of Judea and even Samaria. And then Acts goes on through the end of the book and tells a story of how this continued growing influence takes over the whole Roman world. It was the best thing that could have happened to the church. And I would argue that disappointment led to incredible opportunity. Disappointment led to incredible opportunity. And COVID was, in some ways, it could be argued, the 21st century equivalent of disappointment leading to opportunity. See, in pre-COVID world, the prevailing church model was get people to come to your building. It's been the model for decades probably centuries, get people to come to your building. It was a come and see model, and come and see works. But come and see, as we know, is limited by geography. And so we knew that, and so in 2017, we looked at the possibility of what would it look like to take away some limitations of geography. And so we had two locations, come and see, twice the geography, but still limited. We had these two campuses, and we had this renewed effort at inviting other people. And man, it was exciting. 2018 and 2019 were some of the most exciting times I've had in ministry. We would share with others at all these events that you would hear us talking about, and you would participate in at Chick-fil-A or at parks, and we would have concerts outside. And it was always inviting people to come and see what we're doing. We felt it was this great opportunity to invite people to a church experience that was different. You should come and see it. It's exciting. It's different. It's, it's fun. We like it. We sent postcards, and we spent money on social media advertising, and we, we even went around and put up door hangers at Easter time, telling people, you should come, and you should see all that we're doing. And then COVID. And we couldn't invite others to come and see because there was no place to come to. Our buildings were shut down. And COVID pushed us, pushed our church to pivot from come and see to, uh, in a sense, go and do. And we almost immediately, yes, immediately began to worship from wherever we lived and serving wherever we could. And we've talked about how exciting that has been over this last year to watch the church move in that way, that we worshiped in all different places as one church, and we served wherever we could. Sometimes programmatically is something that we challenged you to participate in, and other times you just came upon it yourself and you just serve because it's what you do. And I would argue this morning that God has been preparing us, turning disappointment into opportunity. I want to show you how I came to believe this. 
So uh, I have a couple maps I want to show you. So the first map, if you went to any of our uh, events in 2017 where we were talking about campuses, this is a map that you saw. This is a 15-minute drive map. And so the, the uh, uh, pinkish color at the bottom is where Hope 700 Cooper Road campus is, and that's a 15-minute drive to uh, to this campus, and the green represented a 15-minute drive to what was then our Mount Laurel campus. And this was a, a giant expansion for us. We were multiplying our community, we we're multiplying our staff, and, and asking uh, people to take on additional work to, uh, to um, create two campuses so that we could be nearby, but far enough from other, or far enough from each other so that people could drive to either physical campus within 15 minutes. It was a good plan based on successful churches, but it was a come and see sort of model. And it was a big challenge, and it was a resource stretch for us, resource uh, stretching our volunteers and stretching our finances and stretching our staff. It was a big challenge. To show you how big it was, here's a New Jersey map. It was a giant plan. All right, that's a, a section of New Jersey that we wanted to have an influence in South Jersey. But really, it has a lot to do with perspective. And this is where I began to see a change in my thinking. Because of COVID, I began to see the difference. So here's another map. This is the map of the United States. And over on that far left side was New Jersey. You can see a little green dot and a little red dot. While we were taking on a big challenge, in a larger perspective, it was a smaller influence. But it was going to take everything we had to do it. And then COVID. And in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the fear and the pandemic, there became an opportunity. And we went from physical to digital overnight, and now we move into this digital and physical reality. And now let me show you the map that is most encouraging. The pink there represents the majority of where those of us worship online over this last year. This is just less than one year, July until last Sunday. In just one year during a pandemic, we have had growing influence across the whole United States. Is that fascinating? That there are people who are watching each week from over 10 states consistently online. That we have kids who have taken a Bible class in Virginia and Florida online, and they've requested Bibles that had to come from this campus. They didn't want a Bible from anywhere. They wanted a Bible that came from hope. I guess we have our own version now. <laughs> and people have been joining the church. There are people who have joined this church, have become members of the church, who have never been inside this physical building where those of you here are worshiping. That you're online right now and you chose to partner with us to be part of a movement that God is doing across the country. Our influence has grown. And every weekend for the past five Sundays, we have met someone who said these words. I started watching online. Every Sunday over the last five weeks, or every weekend, some were Saturdays, forgive me. 
Now, we have a long way to go. Some of the challenges and questions moving forward uh, for me as, a, as we lead this digital side is, what does digital and physical connection look like? Uh, what does hybrid discipleship look like? Uh, how can someone navigate between physical and digital and then from digital into physical. And we're gonna figure all these things out over the next weeks and months and years ahead. And the same way that you can order a Subway sandwich on your phone and go pick it up, we're gonna figure out a way that you can be discipled from your phone and also be discipled in person at the same time. We're gonna figure that out. I know a sandwich is much easier, but we're the church, we can do that, right? One church, two expressions, growing influence. So what does that mean for each of us? What's the challenge here? You know, what's the so what? That's all great, Rick, but what does that mean for me today? Let me just offer some ideas, some thoughts. The first one is this. It's never been easier to invite someone to hope. You've heard us say that uh, over the last year. And so the challenge for you might be that you need to extend an invitation. Extend an invitation to 700 Cooper Road, your physical our, our physical location, for people to come and worship with us. And we know that uh, uh, the trend is, is as churches open up, that growth is slow for people to return to the building. And so as those are feeling more comfortable coming back into this space, I challenge you to invite someone to join you. The other challenge is to invite someone to join you at meethope.live. Because now there's no geographic limitations. Meethope.live is available in any town in the world. So let me challenge you to invite someone to hope. The second thought is this. It's never been easier to accept an invitation to hope. If you've, invi uh, if you've invited someone before and they've said no, I want you to consider another type of invitation. You see, before our digital expression, here's the reality. If you invited someone to come to church, they had to set aside a few hours on a Sunday morning because people are busy and they have commitments and they're doing things already. So they would have to make a decision to not do what they were doing and instead come and join you in a physical worship experience. They had to get the kids ready. They had to drive. They had to find a spot in the parking lot. They had to go to a strange building and they might meet strange people. That's the, there was the unknown and the uncertainty of all that. And here's the rub. If it was a bad experience, they had to be polite enough and wait until the end. Right? That's, that's the reality, right? I really admire people who would do this. Uh, it's a big and uncomfortable step. Here's why I admire them. If someone is not going to church, it's likely for three reasons. The first is they did go to church but it didn't work for them, so they just stopped going. Uh, the second reason is they did go, but they were hurt. So if you were going to a church and it wasn't working, or if you went to a church and you were hurt by it, why would you try again, right? That, that's kind of, uh, you just, I've been there, done that, I'm not going to do it again. And so there are a lot of people that that's their experience. And so that's a big step. I really admire people who would take that step to try a church out again. But there's also a third group, and these are people who have never been inside a church building before in their life. So why would you even try it? It's a big step, and I so admire people who will take that step. But now the invitation is so much easier. You don't have to say, hey, would you consider coming to church with me? You can say first, hey, would you consider 
opening your device on your phone or your iPad or your laptop or your TV, you can go at any time. You can go to a scheduled service at 9, 10, 30, or 7, 30, or you can just go on demand anytime from Monday through Saturday and just enjoy the service. The whole service is available to you. And you can watch it from your couch and you can watch it from your breakfast table or even your back porch. And here's the best part. If it stinks, you can turn it off. And we'll never know. We'll never know you turned it off. It's never been easier to invite someone or to accept an invitation to hope. And so here's my challenge for those of you here in the space and those of you online. What would it look like for you to make one invite every week? And if that's too big, what would it look like for you to make one invite every month? See, over the weeks and months and years ahead, the lingering effects of the pandemic are going to continue, and we still are unsure where that's headed. And racism and the political chaos in our world is still part of our existence. And the world economy and the world's health is yet to be determined. And our world is more broken and is darker than ever And it is a daunting task. And it might even seem hopeless. But Jesus said, the church, you and I are the light of the world. And the darker it might seem, the brighter our light shines. And the same Holy Spirit that moved the early church from Jerusalem out to the ends of the earth, the known earth, of the known world at that time, the early church was moved by that spirit. That same spirit can move you and I to impact our world, our church world, our work worlds, our home worlds, our towns, our neighborhoods, even across our United States. And it all could be a simple invitation to someone to, hey, why don't you check out this place where I have grown in my faith, where I have met Jesus, where my life has been changed, where my marriage has been changed, where my family has been changed. And I pray that each of us will be inspired and challenged today, that there are men and women and boys and girls who are yet to know about Jesus, that their lives may even be in chaos and disarray, And we believe that Jesus the Christ is the one who can make the difference in their lives. Amen and amen. Today we are welcoming back in a group of about 20 second and third graders. These students have spent the last hour learning all about what communion means to them. This is an opportunity for them to really kind of dig into why we celebrate the sacrament of communion, why it is that God called us to this, why Jesus broke the bread and raised the glass at the Last Supper, and why this is something we still celebrate today. A few years ago, we recognized that this is right about the age in our culture that the Catholic Church has what they consider a first communion. And while that is not something that's typically done within the Methodist Church, there are some really great values that come out of that. The ability to to sit down with the student and help them understand why we do something and what it means to them personally is priceless. So we are really excited to welcome this group of students in to sit with their families and to receive communion with us today. 
So at Hope, we believe communion is an open communion, that those who are, uh, 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 that it's open and available to anyone who would desire to participate in communion together. And again, if you did not receive a communion cup here in the space, you can find one in the offering baskets in the, in the wicker baskets in the back on the uh, communion station. The only requirement to participate in communion is the desire to follow after Jesus in your life and your actions. And as was just mentioned in the video, at our 10.30 worship time, uh, our students who uh, just participated in our communion class will be celebrating communion together with their families. So as we prepare to share in communion together, let me lead us in a prayer of confession. Let's pray together, whether we are here in this space or online, let's pray together. And so Jesus, we are grateful that you, the God of the universe, saw the need for our forgiveness. That God, you saw that there was a bridge that needed to be spanned between you and where we were. That we were living in a world of chaos and despair and brokenness. And the God that we have committed sin against you in both word and deed. And God, we are grateful for Jesus who saw our need, came and was a sacrifice for our sin, a payment for our sin, so that we could be forgiven. And God, we receive that forgiveness. And we remember that sacrifice as we celebrate communion together as a body of faith. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so Jesus and his disciples were gathered together at a meal. It was the last meal that they would celebrate together before Jesus was crucified. And on the table there, he took some bread and he broke it and he said, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. And so you can take the bread that you have available to you and you can break it and offer it. And know that Jesus is your sacrifice, the body of Christ. And then after he took the bread, later in their, in their mealtime, he took a cup that was on the table and he said, this cup represents my blood. It's a new contract. You no longer have to find a way to pay off God and make sacrifices for forgiveness of sin. I have done that for you. And so this cup represents the blood of Jesus signed as a covenant for your forgiveness as well. The blood of Christ. Take and drink. 